Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. We'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. So, yeah, you know, we know that Gen X is the coolest demographic by far. I mean, we just we own it, man. And <laughs> And you know what? The best part is that we have the biggest chip on our shoulder as a demographic about being annoyed by boomers who always told us their upbringing was so much cooler. The 60s, so awesome, right? right? And their music is so cool and big chill and all that sort of stuff. And then we have the millennials who are a bigger demographic by numbers uh, than Gen X is. So there's always been this moment, how many meetings I've been to when they talk about generational trends and they'll talk about boomers, uh, they'll talk about millennials, and then they'll give like about a second of lip service to Gen X. <laughs> it's like, geez, come on. Right, right. So, but according to, you know, the tracks of the, the who's in the workforce sort of studies, and I have one from LinkedIn, which tracks us all, uh, the current workplace is divided up. Uh, Gen X is a third of the workforce. Millennials are 40%. Boomers are 15%. And then coming up on fresh legs, we have Gen Z, <laughs> which is at 10%. And when I looked at the age that they were saying it's uh, age seven to 22 right now, basically my kids getting ready to right. kick me out of the workforce. So what is, is that that's that's our workforce right now that we're all we've always all had to work together. Am I right? Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what does that mean? Because aren't we annoyed by, by each other? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was I supposed to admit that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. You know, it's, it's, uh, we have been annoyed by each other. I mean, just in terms of the coaching that I've done and the work that I've done across, you know, across generations. One of the things that I think was so clear to me was, um, specifically a couple things. One, that we had all these, these, everybody had a different approach to work life and to flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we came up in the workforce, there was, you know, X amount of tolerance for flexibility, right? So, um, and, you know, in the boomer, boomer times, there was very little, if any, um, you know, with us, there started to be some late, a little bit later in our careers with millennials. It's, it's, it's a very different approach and, um, much more flexible and Gen Z is just, completely remote um but i feel like and then we get all offended when you assume that there's flexibility you're like do you know what i had to do to be able to shift my you know yeah that yes yeah i mean i think that it's it's just it's a it's a tricky place i remember actually being at a conference that you organized back in the day and i was talking to um a working mother um Every year there's the Work Life Congress, which was yes. a fantastic conference. And I was talking to, you know, I think it was a conversation about how to talk to managers about flex. And 
um, or how managers should talk about flex. And I was sitting with two millennials and my approach was like a very, I wouldn't say conservative, but I was very planful in the way that I was talking about it. So they, they right. said it's sort of like discussed in small groups. And so I said like, well, I think you could pose it this way and with this, you know, and it was, it was, it wasn't, um, timid, but it was couched in some logic. Um, and the millennials were like, or just say, I'm taking this time off. Like, it was like, why are you dancing around this topic? Like, just tell them that, like, you need yeah. the flex and take the flex. And then make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, am I? I was like, which one of us is, <laughs> which one of us is seeing this wrong? And I think now, I mean, yeah, what's, what's interesting to me is that we have, we now in this pandemic with this, complete shift to remote work, I wonder how much it's gotten all four generations on the same page, I, you know, right. or at least all, all living the same way right now. You yeah. Know, through our, right. And I mean, I think a sub, a sub set of this challenge around like every different generation seeing work life differently is that I definitely saw um, maybe between millennials and boomers and sometimes Gen X is depending, but, but there was kind of this sense of, you know, among specifically the older women um, that, you know, when you talk about parental leave or workplace flexibility, you know, I had to do it this way. You know, I, I didn't have the support. I didn't have the flex programs. I didn't have the parental leave transition. Why do you need it? Yeah. And, And kind of screw you for thinking. Yeah. Like I definitely I, remember a lot when I was doing a lot of um, new parent coaching. A lot of you know older bosses who had raised their kids already, basically saying to this new mom, like, "I'm gonna you know get your stuff together, right? Like right. you you need to do this right now." One of them I remember got like she had her client load doubled as soon as she came back from leave. And it was like, why why would you do that? It was like a haze. But right. But anyway, I mean, well, and it's it's not just work life. It's communication. I I just, I remember something long ago where um, the boss says X and you know, the, the boomer hears, you know, this is the fourth time we're going to try total quality management with a new name. Right. Right. Gen X years, you know, really, um, uh, you're making me do more work. You know, this is just, what am I getting out of it? The, the millennial here is like, Ooh, this is a stretch assignment, you know, that kind of thing where one statement is heard in many different ways. And it's not because the statement was wrong. It's that we heard it wrong and, you know, or not wrong, but we heard it in our own filtered way. Right. And uh, I remember reading that article and, and getting exhausted thinking, oh my God, I have, <laughs> I have to translate. I don't want to do that. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I do think Gen X has been this translator. Right. Role. I mean, cause I, it's like, I, I, I went to college with an electric uh, typewriter. See, this is me doing my, I know uh. you guys have it. But I went to school with an electric typewriter, came in a little plastic case that my grandmother had given me as a high school graduation gift. And I was, I mean, I had tech, right? I had an electric typewriter and it was super cool. And uh, by the time I think I was a junior, 
uh, we had computer labs. There was a computer in the dorm that we all used. It was an, a Mac Plus or whatever it was. And it, like it completely changed how we did everything. And it was those yeah. um, plastic discs. You remember the, the Mac discs with the little yeah. um, metal window on the top that you sure. stuck it into? The, yeah. But that After was a floppy disk. Or was that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I, well, I, I am so old. I remember, or either that or my high school was weird, but we had, uh, I think it was some uh, computer from Radio Shack when I was a freshman in high school. And the information, it wasn't a floppy disk. It was a cassette tape. I, I just do people remember this? Am I, is it like a dog this whistle? Is like a retro episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna well, be like a mixtape. You know, then it. again, and of course, everyone thinks their experience is the right one. I think fundamentally, don't we? You know, it's it's a right. constant learning. It's humans to be open to hearing other people's experiences. But I I I hired. Um, young folks for these entry-level jobs at, at a job I was at. And uh, we were talking about, uh, I think it was the, for some reason talking about the Kennedy assassination and something of, it was some anniversary thing. And um, one of the interns edit assistants said something like, Oh yeah, I don't know anything about that. And to which we were like, what? And they, well, I mean, that happened before I was born. <laughs> I said, yeah. An awful lot of things have happened before you were born. So I need you to get on board with knowing cultural literacy, history, and yeah. government, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So there is that. I think you, we always bump up against the, how can you not know this? Right. How do you not hear something in this manner? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's interesting. Again, it kind of brings me back to like, Okay, so now what? Right? So now in right. this reality, what is what are we what are we looking at? How are we going to see people change? Are we going to see people change um or is it going to kind of drift back to normal? I actually have been really on board with um with our friend Callios uh you know, predictions about how the workplace, the workplace is going to change and how people are going to have to adapt to this new remote yeah. style, which would, you know, kind of force us all on somewhat of a same page. Um, but then I was reading uh, another article, which we'll link to by Helene Olin, who we also know, who was like, I don't buy it. <laughs> like, nobody's <laughs> going to be able to do this. We're, we're just going to go back to the way it was because we just, we just are not capable of, right. of really keeping this going. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think it could go either way. And I think there's the piece of, you know, even if we go back to the office, there is going to be a level of digital literacy that's needed for all jobs in a way that I don't think we have in the past. Like, mm, well, I mean, maybe yeah. not, maybe not all jobs in the past have, have had that kind of requirement. Right. I mean, I've worked with a lot of um, folks in libraries and the digital, um, you know, there are people who've worked as librarians for decades and then, you know, here comes, you know, digital di digitization basically. And, and so there was kind of like, well, I don't really want to, like, I'd rather just talk to people in person when they come into the library or, you know, this yeah. kind of attitude, like I'm, I really want to stay with the paper. Um, I don't want to get on board the digitization train. 
train. And, and now I just, I, there isn't a choice. Nobody's like, it's going to be many, many fewer people walking around libraries as an example. So yeah. I think, I think that we've got this question of how is our day-to-day experience as workers going to change? And then how is the industry that we're working in going to change and make it, you know, make it necessary for people to not only, you know, work from a different place, but work a different way. Interesting. Well, and and with the changes with uh, this, everyone working from home and kind of flattening the difference, you know, like you had to pick it up. You had to figure out how to do those Zoom calls. You had to yeah. figure out how to share your screen. And and so even and that's not necessarily an age thing. But if you were young and you couldn't figure it out or you were older and you couldn't figure it out, now you have to figure it out. So the technological divide, I think flattens that curve flattens maybe yeah and but then uh the ability to communicate remains the same like are we saying things that people can hear in a way Mm. that they want to say them they want to listen to that gets us all to work together in different when we've all had different experiences uh, someone who's in their 60s versus someone in their 20s right right you know i mean i think it's I think it's about the messaging, how we communicate with each other. And then I also think it's, what's the other way? So it's, it's the messaging of like what we're saying to each other, but then it's also like the how. Um, I think right. one of the biggest challenges around remote work is, you know, filling in this feedback vacuum. Like you, you know, without being able to walk by somebody in the office um, and just get a piece of information from them um, in passing, right. you've got to kind of figure out how to be really intentional about all of those interactions. Um, first of all, in terms of like, using, you need to create um, interactions to kind of reinforce your emotional bond with people because the feedback vacuum is just like, if you read an email and you don't really have this kind of underlying um, goodwill towards the person who's sending it, or you you don't feel like you're in touch with them, it's pretty easy to misread. So I think there's that. And then there's also the piece of, you know, you have to be intentional because there is no way to run into someone. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. you, you have to really proactively reach out. And so I wonder if not only the messaging itself, but how, how we hear the messaging. So is, you know, our older generations able to be as intentional about, about, you know, how they're communicating and what they're communicating as other generations. Um, Yeah. You know, um, one thing that Gen X often holds on to is, well, is they strengthen the face of job insecurity. I, it's, uh, you know, I graduated into a recession uh, and have been through cycles. I'm also in the media profession. So that's constantly like contracting, changing, pivoting. There's always a pivot to something. And I think now, and there was constantly like, well, you know, boomers never really had that much trouble that the Gen Xers had. And the millennials, everyone's handed it to the millennials. Everyone loves the millennials. Well, now, for for sure, you know, the millennials, uh, many of them, I'm, did they, I guess the oldest ones were touched by the Great Recession when they came out of college. I, I And the boomers are, we're all touched now. Like I, yeah. I talk yeah. about evening playing field. There's this kind of resets the table for now. We've all had it really bad, you yeah. know, and there's yeah. one of you are worse off than the other because it sucks for everyone right now when you have 
20 million job, you know, unemployment claims in a week or whatever it is. It's, um, yeah, they're all bad. Like yeah. maybe that would unite us in being kind to each other because yeah. it's, it's, it's harsh for everyone. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I really do. I, I definitely saw at different points, again, this kind of like, this just like resentment, um, right? Disgust as work life as like policy. I don't know, just like or you know, as as professional development. I just I think I've seen that in the past. I do hope that it developed that you know we're able to develop a much you know a greater sensitivity um, and a greater mutual understanding. I I do think so. I you know I I wonder. I mean, I, it's just it's it's such a it's an experience that none of us have had. I mean, the research shows, and we can link to this too, that this is that, you know, when you look at the, um, when you look at employees overall mental health, um, Mm -hmm. this is the worst they say it's ever been across the generations. And this is, you know, the most stressful point in their career, you know, not including, yeah, by far, not include, you know, yeah. including nine eleven, including like the Great Recession, including this is just this is this is just the hardest time anybody's had to deal with. So it could be a great equalizer, or it could kind of morph our perspectives in some other way. I'm not entirely sure. Right. Well, and do you have any sense of what's happening? Because this is the same topic we're talking about generational diversity but we you know these are the same sort of conversations you have over gender diversity and for racial and ethnic diversity that you need to have this is our workplaces are stronger our lives and communities are stronger when we have different vantage points all working together figuring it out having coming up with better solutions to anything because different experiences you know feed the way you think and everything but do you have any sense of what's happening with the DNI programs? Like, I I worry that they're the first to go. Because, oh no, you know, I don't think they're the first to go. I I really sure. don't. Um, I think you know, I I actually, um, I actually have colleagues who have been, um, going through programs like that have been developed around COVID. Like, how do we approach this from a DNI perspective? I think. I wow, okay. they're, yeah, like applying a culturally relevant lens um, to kind of yeah. look at, okay, what, you know, we're making these decisions, all these decisions around, um, around work, you know, around remote work, who comes in, who doesn't. Right. And so, you know, asking, what is the DNI angle of this question, right? Like, is there an implication that we're not thinking about and kind of, and requiring, some, you know, some intentional thought about that, right? right. Um, you know, looking at have we ever had to have a, a similar situation? Um, what was done well from a DNI perspective? What was done poorly? What lessons can we learn? So I think, you know, I think that there, there, I do think that the DNI space um, is going to find a very, you know, is going to be be very much needed and is. I mean, it's always needed, but I think it's right. going to have, play an interesting role in this kind of new world of work. And, you know, and I mean, I would also say from a DNI perspective, you know, particularly in the beginning of this pandemic, um, and I think even still now, you know, there have been some racial tensions, um, specifically, mm-hmm. you know, around Asian Americans. And, you know, in my organization, I know that was a very, very big 
um, big challenge was that there was some blatant, um, yeah, racism. So I would say, um, I think that DNI is going to play a unique role. I think that the piece, you know, I, I wonder how, you know, I, I think that both in terms of gender diversity, in terms of racial diversity, I, I think there's going to be a, a maybe, well, I would guess that there would be kind of a new way of looking at microaggressions because they're happening online more and they're not happening mm-hmm. in person the same way. Not that I'm saying a new way of looking, but they're going to manifest differently, I guess is what I mean. Um, maybe. So, right. You know, like it's, it's so much as text and email and, and yeah, you just have to find new ways. If you can't do it in the conference room, you have to yeah. do it someplace else. Oh, making it harder for the for the aggressives. Who are, you know, have your unconscious bias and your microaggressions that you have to work harder to make them manifest. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> we'll be back to normal soon. <laughs> oh God. It's so oh true. my God. Oh my God. Well, I can say that um, uh, having led a team where the average age was 27 across 15 people, um, and I was the oldest by, they thought 10, it was really 20 years. But yeah, I'm not going to you know, s- spread that around if I don't have to. It was a very interesting, it's always an interesting exercise experience to be um, the only one, you know, and, and yeah. for... For so many people who are, I'm the only black woman at the table. I'm the only gay man in my organization who's out or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's it's an incredible opportunity for everyone to be that person for a bit. Because I was the only person in that that situation. The differentiator was age. I was the only one married, the only one with kids. Um, and, you know, and the age men experience too. So um, we had written a lot at um, Working Mother about the, how tiring it is to have to always educate people about whatever the experience is that they have no, yeah. no connection to. And you're like, well, actually, you yeah. know, when you have, to, you have to start every sentence with that. And I mean, you know it in your, in your heart, but to have to actually um, live it is like, oh, this is exhausting because it's like, okay, so. When you've been married a long time, you know, like, you don't right. care about X, Y, and Z, you know, like, well, okay. So when you have kids, yeah, it just, I seem like every freaking day yeah. and it was, and they actually, uh, you know, like, because we were trying to cover things for women who were slightly older than they were, like, the, the bottom of our demographic we were reaching was 35 and they were, I think my oldest was 30. So it was constantly, well, I just need you to keep in mind that, you know, like, right. <laughs> and that's, ex- it is exhausting every day. Like, and then you think to yourself, how do I represent, you know, I am not every married woman. I am right. not every, you know, woman in her forties. I'm not every, you know, <laughs> yeah. but okay. You know, it's so, so it's, it's not only, uh, and yet on the flip side of that, I learned so much for those, those young women, younger yeah. women. Yeah, it was um, they were great. And um, it was a, a lovely opportunity uh, to see how smart, uh, you know, and how varied. just like, you know, you do with, you know, people who are my age, you know, all the everybody's different. 
when you do that thing that you're like, well, millennials, it's just a constant reminder when you're, you're in a room with them every day for, for a year, you're like, wow, you know, you are one of the smartest people I've ever met and you're 25. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's an opportunity. It's, 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 uh, it's a good thing. I think, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, chip off my shoulder for a little bit. (laughs) So, well, what do you think? Is that, are we ending on a happy note? I feel like our last one. I think we are. I think we are. I'm going to shout out. There's a colleague I've worked with who is, who is a millennial who has just come out. Um, she's, she's just a superstar and I'm hoping we're going to get her on this podcast, but she, you know, she, we were talking about our visions, like our goals. (laughs) She said, like, in three years, she's 25 at the time, at three years, I want to be, like, the vice president of HR for this organization. And to be honest, like, that was a good goal for her. So I just, I hope we get some really, some some forward-thinking younger people in positions of leadership after this, um, you know, yep. even more than we did. And I, and I only point out the youngers because, you know, that that's, when you're of a certain age, you, you turn to, you, you somehow you become old enough to dismiss the next generation, you know? So, yeah. no. um, so, uh, amen to you guys. Come, come save us. Cause Lord knows we need saving. So <laughs> it's true. So well, to the, the, uh, the millennial breadwinners, we say thank you for joining us today. Uh, whether you're a chance or choice breadwinner, we hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us and that you'll share your own story at the breadwinnerspodcast.com. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.